there has been um, an acknowledgement of the, the special places around San Francisco Bay. Well, there's something sort of uh, innate in human beings, I think, that tend to recognize a good spot when you see it, you know, a spot that takes your breath away. This was one of them. An icon of the New Deal. We stood here um, a week ago, and we heard all these dignitaries talk about the symbol that Coit Tower is for San Francisco. And I think it's interesting that those of us in the Pioneer Park Project are trying to make the point that not only the tower, not only this man-built edifice here is a symbol of the city, but also the green space in which it sits and the hill on, on which it rests. To understand Coit Tower and Pioneer Park, you have to understand the topography of San Francisco. So early days of the city. The city grows up in what's now the financial district in the edge of Chinatown, but everything that they rely on for existence comes through the Golden Gate. It's of massive importance to the people what comes in and out of San Francisco Bay, but they can't see it from where they are. A midshipman in the 1800s gets the idea to build a giant wooden semaphore. That few years that the wooden semaphore was up here actually gave us the name Telegraph Hill and that name survives even though the semaphore is long gone. Come to the 1870s and the city has grown up remarkably. It's fueled with money from the Nevada silver mines, it's fueled with money from the gold rush, it's trying to be the, the Paris of the West and uh, North Beach is kind of the suburbs, the hinterlands the wealthier people lived on the bottom and the poorest people lived on the top because it was very hard getting to the top of Telegraph Hill and it was mostly lean-to shacks and, and bits and pieces of houses up here in the beginning. And a group of 20 businessmen decided that it would be better if the top of the hill remained for the public. So they put their money down and they bought four lots at the top of the hill and they gave them to the city. Lily Hitchcock Coit died without leaving um, a specific use for her bequest, but she left a third of her estate for the beautification of the city. Arthur Brown, noted architect in the city, wanted for a while to build a tower. He had become very interested in uh, Persian towers and it was, you know, it was the 30s. It was all about machinery and sort of this amazing architecture, very powerful architecture. So he convinced the Rec Park Commission that uh, building a tower in Lily's memory would be the thing to do with her money. It was going to be a wonderful observation place because it was one of the highest hills in the city anywhere and that um, that was the whole reason why it was built that high and had the elevator access uh, immediately from the beginning as part of its features. My father's studio was just down the Filbert Street steps. We were in a very small apartment and that was our backyard. When they were preparing the site for uh, the Coit Tower there was always a lot of carping and griping about how awful progress was and why they would choose this beautiful uh, pristine uh, area to do them in was a big question. As soon as the uh, Coit Tower was getting finished and someone put in the idea that it should be used for art, um, it, then all of a sudden he was excited about the Coit Tower. It became almost like um, a daily destination for him to enjoy the atmosphere. Uh, no matter what the politics, that wasn't the point. 
as long as they fit in and did their work and and uh, did their own creative expression that was all that was required they turned in their drawings the drawings were accepted if they snuck something in well uh, there weren't going to be any stoolies around they made such careful little diagrams of every possible little thing about the commie murals as though that was just so important and that they were just the big frogs and and actually no one ever felt that way about them and they weren't considered something like that in later life when people would approach me and say what did you know about Arnatov well, we were with Arnatov almost every day and and his children we grew up together and we didn't think of him as a commie and almost the same uh, with Sackheim but he was a, just a family man doing normal things. No one thought anything of, of what he was doing. Some of them were much more highly trained. It showed, in my estimation, in the murals. Jane Berlandina's was one of the masterpieces. Families at Home was a lot more close to the life that I can remember that we lived. Murals on the upper floors, like Chessie's children playing on the swings, and and um, I think it was Edith Hamlin with the little deer in the forest where you could go and see them at Muir Woods, and, and the sports that were always available. I think it did express the best part of our lives. Things that weren't costing money to do. Uh, you would go to a picnic on the beach, or you would uh, do something in Muir Woods. My favorite of all is the staircase. It's um, almost a, a miracle masterpiece, how he could manage to not only fit in everyone, and of course a lot of them I recognize from my childhood. It's how he uh, juxtaposed and managed to kind of climb up that stairway on either side, very much like uh, you were walking down a street. It was incredible to do that, and to me, that is what depicted the life of the time in San Francisco. I even like the ones that show uh, the industrial uh, areas, the ones with the workers showing them in the cannery. And I can remember going in there and seeing these women with the caps, uh, uh, with the nets, shuffling these cans through. My parents had a ranch in Santa Rosa and we went there all summer. I could see these people leaning over and checking. It looked exactly like Albro's beautiful uh, things about the, the ranch. I think he was pretty much in the never look back uh, philosophy about the Coit. I don't think he ever went to visit again after we moved from Telegraph Hill, which was only five or six years later. I don't think he ever had to see it when the initials were scratched into everything and people had uh, literally destroyed the lower half of everything. Well, in my view, the tower had been pretty much neglected from the 30s up until, uh, up until, the, until the 80s. Uh, it wasn't until then that really enough people began to be alarmed about the condition of the murals, the tower was leaking, 
Uh, some of the murals suffered water damage. Um, we really began to to organize getting funding through the Arts Commission and various other sources to restore the murals. If you don't have that connection or thread or maintain that connection to your history and your past, what do you have? That's one of the major elements of what makes quality of life in San Francisco so incredible. When people ask me, and they ask me all the time, how do you get to Coit Tower, I say you walk. Uh, that's the best way uh, to experience the gradual elevation, you know, coming up above the hustle and bustle of the city and finding this sort of oasis, if you will, up here at the top of the hill. When I walk through this park, I look at these brick walls and this lawn. I look at the railings around the murals. I look at the restoration. And I think, um, yeah, I had something to do with that. Learning the lesson. Thank you, wild parrots. Uh, landmarks meet landmarks. Um, the current situation at Pioneer Park and Coit Tower is really based in public and private partnership. It was the citizens who came together and bought the land to keep it from being developed. It was Lily Hitchcock Coit who gave money to the city to beautify the city she loved. The Pioneer Park Project raised money and worked with the city to develop this south side. And still, that's the basis of our future project to address the north side. <laughs>